Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 363. And tonight, we're recapping two episodes of Lore Olympus. We're starting with episode 243, which is available right now for free on the Webtoons app, and then we're going straight into 244. And I gotta say right out the gate, I was completely wrong the last recap we did, because the whole situation with Dionysus turns out has absolutely nothing to do with Demeter. Yep, yep, not a thing. So um, Persephone gets a text, and it is a royal order from Zeus to come to her apartment immediately. And <laughs> you saw her looking up at one point, why does he know my address? And I don't think they ever actually explained that, unless no. just because he's the God of heaven. I don't know. He's got snitches, I'm sure. I'm sure. But yeah, he, she shows up at his place. And of course, he's still being very demanding and wanting to know what took her so long and everything and telling her that she looks terrible. And she's like, I just had a very exhausting uh, metaphysical experience. What's your excuse? Well, turns out he's in labor. And I'm like, everybody, the commenters all called it. Yep, yep, yep. Completely. And if it wasn't for them, and you relaying that, I would have never remembered that bit about him saying in an earlier episode that his leg hurt. I'm like, holy cow, I should have picked up on that. Yep. So all right, now I did look it up. Semele is the way okay. that the name is pronounced. So I had to actually do a search on that. But so he tells her that he's had a relationship with a mortal woman and he was still seeing her while she was being punished, which of course he was breaking Uh his own rules, but that shouldn't surprise anybody. But then she goes into labor too early and dies and Zeus can't do anything to save her, but he can save the baby. So he has his doctor Asclepius sew the baby into his leg. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not buying the explanation that she just went into early labor. I'm wondering if this is going to be like him covering again for the fact that he accidentally killed her, like the original myth says. Oh, yeah, exactly. There's no mention of like his godly appearance, which is like, it seems like that's the one thing that a lot of the myths agree on. Like we were talking about how maybe Demeter is Dionysus's mother, maybe it's Semele and everything. They all seem to agree that it was Zeus showing her his godly appearance that caused her to fall into a pile of ash. That's not mentioned here. Um, he already has proven to Persephone in a couple ways, more that we're going to talk about later, that he is lying about a lot of things. But first off, he says he didn't want to go to his daughter, who is the literal goddess of childbirth. He didn't want to go to her for help with this you know, baby situation. He didn't want to go to Asclepius. And he didn't want to go to Apollo, all three of which would be really good with childbirth. He just tries to tell Persephone that he didn't want to bother his daughter. And Persephone totally calls him on his bullshit. Yeah, yeah. So she just... She says she's going to help, but she needs answers. So she wants to know why he couldn't go to any of those people. So he couldn't go to Asclepius because he says Asclepius is a narc and he would just go to Apollo and he won't go to Apollo because he doesn't care for Apollo, which Persephone thinks is interesting. And he won't go to his daughter because he's afraid that this will get back to Hera. And he says he's trying to work things out with Hera. And I'm like, of course, he's not bothering to change his behavior one little bit because he's still lying to Hera and keeping things from her. But he doesn't want to like ruin any progress they've made, even though technically, you haven't made any progress if you're still lying to her. Yeah, that's, that's a technicality. I don't think Zeus could ever pick up on. No, but no. Yeah, this entire time, I love the fact that Persephone's in like a plastic raincoat. <laughs> hilarious. He did even say that he came to her because she was in the mortal realm for so long and worked on a farm and helped deliver animals there. He knows she's not squeamish, but 
He does seem to mind his manners a little bit more when she's sort of like giving him sort of side eye and holding a knife to his thigh. I mean, he behaves just a little bit better at that point. Yeah, he doesn't even call her out too much when, you know, he says he doesn't want this getting back to Hera. And Persephone says, if she asks about this, I'm not going to lie to her. And I'm like, good for you. You keep setting those boundaries. Damn straight. She also says she knows that one of the reasons why Zeus came to her is because he knows that she has a private apartment in the underworld and he thought she wouldn't tell anyone one. And he was right about the first, but definitely not right about the second. No, no. He even says, you're more like Demeter than I thought, which is a low blow and kind of a manipulative thing to say. So she just looks at him and then she says, all right, I'm going to cut across this line and then I'm going to reach in and grab the baby. Are you ready? And she's got this really intense look (laughs) on her face. I like that. And then, of course, the scene afterwards is her cutting into his leg and you've got the golden ichor flowing out and causing the entire room to glow. And then she pulls out the baby and he gives his first cry and she's just delighted. That's so neat. And... The thing, though, is that delight only lasts a little bit because she sees the baby has white hair. And she's like, why does the baby have white hair? And that's when Zeus tells her it's from his grandfather, or Oranos? Oranos, I think, something like Oranos, that. Oranos, yeah. yeah. He thinks that that's one of the reasons why Kronos went so crazy in persecuting Hades, because Hades has that white hair as well. Which is a nice explanation, too. But yeah, and this also... Mm-hmm. the bit about Dionysus and Hades having white hair, that comes into uh, play in the next episode. But anyway, so uh, looks like Zeus is able to heal his leg back up fine, and he says he'll just go ahead and take the baby off her hands. And Persephone looks very uncertain, and she steps back, and her eyes are glowing red, which we know she means business. Yeah. He didn't just say that he would just go ahead and take the baby. He said he wasn't going to be taking the baby back to Olympus. He said he was probably going to drop it off with the nymphs of Mount Nysa because he says things are way too crazy at his place right now. Totally can't have a baby. And so it's unclear at first exactly why Persephone is stepping back. You kind of assume that she's stepping back because she's like, really, you're going to abandon another baby. But all we see by the end of the episode is her eyes going red and her stepping back and him going, Persephone, and that's it. It's the end of the episode. So the next episode, she calls him on his little story because she wants to know, did he ask the nymphs about this? Because he does have a habit of dumping folks off in the mortal realm. And he says, oh, yeah, sure. They think it's fine. And she said, you're a liar. There haven't been nymphs in Mount Nyssa for years. Yeah, and... I don't like to think of what Zeus would have done if he had gone down to the mortal realm to give them to the nymphs and they weren't there. I mean, who would he have dumped that baby off with? It would have been anybody. Would have literally been anybody. Although, yeah, this comes uh, hmm, uh, more on that later. So Persephone tells him, I'm keeping the baby. And they both stare at each other for a couple beats. And then Zeus says, oh, gods, whatever. His name is Dionysus. He's the god of wine and other things, maybe. I haven't figured. Now, when he gave in so fast, I was thinking, did he plan this all along? Did he maybe plan that Persephone was going to feel protective and want to keep the baby and would basically save him the trouble of taking it anywhere? I mean, a nicer idea would be that does, I mean, he obviously does, because Minth made fun of Hades about the fact that Hades couldn't bear children. So obviously, it's an open secret. I think everybody knows that. Maybe Zeus in his way, I'm giving him a lot of credit. Maybe (laughs) Zeus thought Persephone would be very mothering, and this would be a way for them to have a child when otherwise they wouldn't be able to have a child. But I think that's probably giving him too much credit. I think, yeah, he thought this would be really convenient. 
And I think she looked really surprised that he gave in as fast as he did. And then he leaves after making a shitty comment about where she's living. Yeah, he says, wow, you married the god of wealth and this is where you live? That's wild. And he just laughs all the way down the hall. So he had to take one last dig. (sighs) So that's where we pick up with Hades talking to Persephone. And um, she's explaining the whole situation. And he's kind of moving forward with what's going on. He's like, all right, so you're saying you want to raise a baby together. And she says, well, until we can find some type of better circumstances, whatever. In the end, she asks him flat out, why isn't he pissed off at her? Because she's made this very impulsive decision and then ghosted him for a day. Why isn't he angry with her? And I don't think he says this flat out, but I think probably one of the major reasons is that he was so sure that she was just going to leave him, that she had regretted the hell out of this entire wedding decision and everything. And that the day and a half where he couldn't reach her was just her leaving. And I think he figures that anything would be better than that. But the commenters pointed out, both in this conversation and a little bit later, that while he forgives her for doing that, he does it in a way that doesn't make him look like a doormat. You know, he says, I understand and the yes, this and privacy and all this kind of stuff. But you have to be you have to tell me what's going on. You know, you have to feel free to come with me, I can help. But I just I please don't please don't run away from me like that basically is what he says. And I think that's really nice because it's like, yeah, you want to give somebody credit for making whatever decision they made in the moment. And you know, they've they've got their own independence, they can do what they want. But also being like, I would rather you did not do that because it makes me feel bad. And Persephone does open up a little bit more. And she tells Hades that she saw the child version of him in the dream that she thinks the interloper dragged her into an image of him suffering as a child. And that was kind of one of the reasons why she so impulsively took Dionysus because of she couldn't help the little child Hades. And then she sees another little baby who has the same white hair. So of course, she just gives in instantly. But she's, she was telling him this because Hades said, okay, there's something we need to do. And they go out and they get fast food. And I don't know why that felt so damn wholesome. But I loved that. (laughs) Great. He mentions later that mentions the word aftercare, which a lot of the commenters were landing on that. I mean, it's just such a nice thing to just, you know, somebody's gone through something, whatever it is, and to just give them that chance to sort of rejuvenate and comfort and, you know, just a little bit of protectiveness without being like, I don't know, too fatherly about it, whatever. I love that they go to Alpha and Omega Burger. That's obviously a reference to In-N-Out Burger. (laughs) The logo is almost identical, but it's changed just enough to have like the Omega symbol in it. I'm like, that's freaking clever. It's so cool. So yeah, when he said aftercare, what he had been talking about was that he really thinks they need to have another, like more of a plan in place for these dream dives, because at least some aftercare. And he says, I mean, do you know what the doctors injected you with afterwards? And she's sitting thinking, "Mm, not really, no. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, But she feels bad about the fact that she's, she's done this whole thing with Dionysus, and she hasn't really moved anything forward with the dream diving. And she just doesn't think that she's really good for anything. And Hades starts laughing, which she's like, husband, I'm bearing my heart to you. And he said, I love this. In the past 24 hours alone, you've hired three new judges, encountered the interloper and delivered a baby from a thigh, which is a great thing to say. And also, it's still only been 24 hours. Unbelievable. I just, oh, my God. 
And also, before we forget, he did give her a little credit for, you know, leaving without any explanation. Because when she first got that phone call from Zeus, Zeus said it was a royal order and that she wasn't allowed to tell anybody. And Hades is just like, that is kind of a thing that he does. You know, we call it getting Zeused. And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that happens a lot. But she, he just tells her that she's holding herself to standards that not even a goddess would be able to reach. And just tells her to give herself some credit and they have this wonderful kiss. And that's, of course, when Ares shows up. Again, Ares crashing the party <laughs> again. And if they explain to him what the baby is all about, because at first, you know, mm-hmm. they said it's Zeus's. And Ares is like, Persephone, please tell me you didn't. And he's like, don't even finish that thought. It was a Zeus with a mortal woman. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I love the picture that Rachel drew of Ares cradling the baby when they say that. And he said, yeah, that tracks. Yeah, he's just so, uh, he's so kind of happy about it. And he's not phased at all because... It's his dad. He's probably met a lot of little brothers this yep. way. Oh, yes. But he also says that he hasn't found Thanatos, which Hades says is worrying. So he's going to go to the mortal realm. And Persephone decides to stay behind with the baby because she's not really up for the mortal realm yet, which I don't blame her after how that went the last time when she was talking with Demeter. That was pretty awful. Yeah. And I also have to say, for the record, that that was another thing that I was completely and totally wrong about, because I said it would be really weird for Thanatos to be missing and all this stuff is going on with Persephone and they're not related at all. Well, they're not related at all. It's a completely different thing. So wrong again. Yeah. Some of the commenters pointed out the story of Sisyphus. Yes. And yes. Yep, in the original myth, it was because Sisyphus like managed to distract the god of death and tied him up so that nobody could die. I'm like, hmm, that does sound like what could possibly be happening. Yeah, one of the recaps of that myth that I read said that Ares was the one who rescued Thanatos in that situation. Oh, like, no oh, kidding. Oh, yes, yeah. that is a nice little tie in there. So, mm-hmm. yep. So, I mean, Hades, you know, heads off to the mortal realm. Persephone's by herself and she has some stuff she wants to catch up on. And she says, oh, I think we should take a look at one of the new prospective hires. And she's holding Luce's resume. Oh, it's on now. Yeah. When I first saw that, I immediately thought that she was going to, I don't know, stumble into something. Like maybe Luce had been one of her people down in the moral realm and she was just going to catch up again and be totally upset when she finds out how Luce betrayed her. No, the commenters are really convinced that she's doing this on purpose and that she heard that conversation between Luce and Hades. And I'm like, oh, Luce, you better run. Yep, yep. This could be bad or it could be fun one way. Yes, I'm hoping for fun. But that was it. The image of Luce's resume was the last thing that we ended the episode on. But I'm glad because it wasn't as much as a cliffhanger as some weeks. So I'm like, Okay, I can make it through two weeks okay after that one. That's that's a good pausing point, I think. Yes, I think so. The revelation about um, Dionysus and Zeus being the father and having to give birth from his thigh, that was surprisingly satisfying. I thought maybe that this whole thing would get dragged out for multiple episodes, but they managed to take care of it in like an episode and a half. Yeah, no bad. It was very well done. That's it for Laura Olympus this week. You had said that you took some notes on something else? Yes, I watched not just one episode of The Umbrella Academy Season 3, but two episodes. Ooh, and, and? Oh, golly. So, I mean, Episode 3 ended with the Sparrows had come to attack the Umbrella Academy, and it looked like they were going to murder them. And then the weird, like, assassin-looking elderly gentleman that we've been following around in the background for a while, he shows up and he kills two of the sparrows. And... uh, 
Victor looks at him and says, Harlan? And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. They gave you all of the clues. The fact that this gentleman, when they saw him packing to leave, he was like packing sandwiches that were numbered so he would eat the right amount. And then he had to like have headphones with different kinds of sounds or music on so he could be in public places. Yes, he's on the spectrum. So yes, it is Harlan. Yes, Harlan, in case you forgot, that's Victor's girlfriend from the past's son, who Victor saved from drowning at one point. And we thought that Victor had taken away all of the powers that she'd accidentally given Harlan. And yet when Harlan and his mom were driving away, you saw him floating something in his hand in the back seat. So yeah, that's when I had said that that storyline was going to be going on for a while. Here you go. Yeah. So episode four ends with a little recap of life with Sissy and Harlan after um, Victor had to leave. And I love how this series tells stories without dialogue. They've done this, especially when they do a passage of time like that. And he was just, you know, Sissy and Harlan, they managed to find a place to rent. It looks like they're settled in. They're really happy. And then Harlan accidentally explodes a pet bunny. So then you see them packing up the car and looking out through the trunk of the car and then closing it and getting to a new place and Harlan getting beat up on the playground and setting off like this wave of power to knock everybody back. So you're back to the car trunk with them loading everything up and closing it. And then it just happens again and again and again and again. And at some point, Sissy starts coughing like she's got a bad cold. And the next thing you know, she's dying of cancer in a hospital. Yeah, I remember when you had said a couple episodes ago, that Sissy and Harland, you know, Sissy died after having to stay on the run because of the whole JFK situation. And I was like, well, that's not exactly why she was on the run all that time. Oh, but when she dies, he, you know, his power goes out of control and he completely wrecks a hospital room. Well, I thought that was what had happened, but by the end of episode four, you find out with a flashback that Harland somehow gives to Victor when he did that. The power somehow went out and killed the mothers of the Umbrella Academy. And that was a brutal scene because it was just like one after another. You focus in on this perfectly nice looking woman who has no idea what's happening. And then their brains explode out through their ears. Oh, God, that was that was really shocking. Yeah, Very, very brutal. Holy cow. But yeah, I mean, with all the other people, um, Luther's in love with the member of the Sparrow Academy, and they're kind of still doing a can they or can't they trust each other dance? And at one point he's making her a mixtape, which sounds like the perfect cute thing that Luther would do. Um, Diego's trying to be a dad, but he's really bad at it. Although I thought that was funny when he like orders his son off to go do something. And then you see Diego march off. I am so good at this. Like, no, Diego, you're (laughs) really not. Really bad. Really bad. Five and Lila are working together to try to fix the, um, the time traveling suitcases. And they managed to to go back to the commission, which is falling apart. And apparently the grandfather paradox is destroying everything, which leads Five and Lila to find an iron lung that has an elderly man who also happens to be Five, who also happens to be the person who founded the commission in the first place. I just get so complicated. So convoluted, which, and he basically tells them there's really no hope because that thing in the basement is like a version of a black hole that's just going to destroy everything because of the paradox. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, which also, yeah, which comes back to Harlan 
accidentally or on purpose, we don't know, destroying the mothers of all the Umbrella Academies, causing the grandfather paradox. So basically, he caused the apocalypse, which since Victor gave Harlan his powers, it means the apocalypse is Victor's fault again. Every single time. My, I mean, I know it's not Victor's, not Victor's fault fault. It's not like he was trying to do that, but oh my God. Again. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, yeah so... um. Yeah, a lot of stuff happening. I'm really enjoying this series, but boy, is it getting convoluted. And dark. <laughs> really, really dark. Oh, yeah. And, um, like, the Sparrows being in charge of their father to the point of, like, actually drugging him and bullying him into signing paperwork. And he doesn't seem to have any kind of resistance against that. And there was... I don't know, Klaus was kind of bonding with him after he snuck in and they're sitting there watching Matlock together, I think. So that was that was kind of cute. Oh, and Diego's son accidentally kills Klaus at the end of episode four. Boom! Yes, I was just going to say, there's a lot more to the Klaus storyline coming up. <laughs> so yeah, very fun, very interesting stuff. Awesome. So on a, a slightly darker note, as if that wasn't dark enough, whew, I don't know how many of you guys listen to the Swindle podcast, which that we're both kind of responsible for each other listening to that because I found it when I first found the Fire Festival episode mm-hmm. and I sent it to you and then you went through and listened to like every single Everything. episode and multiple like, times. Yeah, so then I jumped into it after that and so now I'm caught up and the latest episode came out and like I said, we've, we're not entirely sure what we think about trigger warnings all the time because sometimes I think, you know, you can't live your life in bubble wrap. But at the same time, I think if something's really going to ruin your day, there's nothing wrong with getting a heads up about it. And I got to tell you, this episode is super dark. Yep, this is all about the whole killer whale thing with um, SeaWorld and many other organizations like it and how incredibly brutal the entire practice is and how it has led to multiple people getting killed because they were swimming with killer whales. And man, that, I mean, they talked about one woman getting killed and how it was like, it sounded like a process that took like 10 minutes. And that's just, I don't even like thinking about that, how bad that must have been. But yeah, I mean, it's just like, you've got these animals that are so intelligent, and then they're being kept in these 20 foot deep uh, tanks all by themselves when they are amazingly social creatures and they get so starved for stimulation that a live toy falling into their tank means that's going to get played to death. Oh man, it is. This episode goes into so much detail about those deaths. So if you are a type of person who does not want that kind of detail, you may want to just like read a recap of the episode or something. I mean, I love swindled and I don't know why. I mean, I know what, exactly why. I mean, what is it? The Body Snatcher is uh, one of our oh, favorite Oh, yeah, episodes. yeah. Now, that goes into some detail. It's talking about, you know, organ harvesting and some very unsavory practices. But what makes it better is that all those people are already dead. Mm-hmm. This is actually talking about, in detail, what a horrible death at the fins, teeth of a killer whale would look like to a human. And whew, just just be warned, it's very, very dark. Yes, extremely dark. 
So to end it on a lighter note, I continue with the mid-journey experiments and the Firefly experiments since I have access to Adobe Firefly. Firefly is great so far with generating images, not so great with any kind of like graphic design sort of layout. Mid-journey is good. If you ask for an advertisement for something and maybe put in the keyword headline, it'll understand that you need some type of ad. It's all fake text and everything. But um, yeah, so I'll hopefully Firefly's, I mean, I'm sure it's getting better and better, but I did want to say that just on a whim, I put in a prompt. I wanted Sherlock Holmes playing the violin for Molly Hooper as played by Benedict Cumberbatch. And I want to say Louis Braley. I I apologize. I can't remember her name. And what it gave me was not in the modern times. I was thinking of like the modern Sherlock Holmes show. Maybe I should have indicated that. It definitely gave me a Victorian thing. But one of the pictures actually looks a little bit like Benedict Cumberbatch. The other person doesn't really look anything like Molly. But it's so sweet. It is so, so pretty. It is it is Benedict Cumberbatch-ish playing the violin, but he's holding the bow and Molly has her hands wrapped around to play, you know, do the fingering. And it, they're just leaning against each other. Oh my goodness, it's adorable. It's adorable. And oddly enough, the hands are really well done. I mean, I was kind of looking at going, I, I wouldn't be able to draw hands that were quite, there was no weird fingers, nothing weird about the faces. I think the only thing weird about the violin was he wasn't, he didn't have the bow in the right place. The bow wasn't long enough. His hand wasn't holding it quite correctly. There's some little things, just a couple pegs missing from the scroll, but it's all really nitpicky stuff. Mind you, there were some results, which I ought to post. It was one, a similar pose. I don't know what the hell Midjourney was thinking about that violin. I'm like, I don't know what that instrument is. (laughs) But yeah, surprisingly good results. You know, I still would be better if you knew how to use Photoshop in order to edit out some of the inconsistencies. So still not a thing that Midjourney could handle on its own, but who knows? I mean, the technology, it's technologying. So there you go. Was it you who shared a tweet with me? It was someone saying, someone needs to design AI that will send out emails and clean a house and deliver groceries so the rest of us can have more time to make art. Yeah. Yeah. Someone else said like, can we send AI out to pick up plastic in the ocean instead of letting them sit at home writing poetry and doing art? And all these people are like, yeah, someone needs to tell AI to go out and get a real job. Someone talking about the fact that AI is shaping to be the uh, spoiled rich kid that doesn't want to get a real job. Oh man, alive. They're not wrong. Nope. But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out pixelatedgeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries, getting closer to San Diego Comic-Con. Ooh. I just heard about Ontario. It's not Ontario Comic-Con. I can't remember what it's called, but it's about two hours away from here. And I did the same thing this year that I did last year. I heard it was going on this weekend. It would have been like a two and a half hour drive or a four hour train and bus thing. And I said, "Mm, not this year, maybe next year. But I did that last year too. So at some point, it sounds like it was a really fun time. And I don't get out to that area very often. And it would be nice to go to a convention I haven't already been to like a dozen times. (laughs) Anyway, all that and more, pixelatedgeek.com. So next week, we should have Night Vale. Mm -hmm. Um, you haven't started watching Ted Lasso yet, have you? No, I haven't. Have you? Yeah. I mean, have you finished it? I know there's at least one more episode. I just watched the 10th episode. I guess the 11th comes out next week. I cannot remember how many episodes a season's going to be. Uh, the most recent episode 
was better in a lot of respects. Still can't hold up to the first one. But there'll be some interesting things to talk about when you do get caught up. Because speaking of people doing something surprisingly accurately, that was a thing in this episode. Well, well. This episode of Vague Cast. <laughs> yes, well, I could be watching that. Or I could sit down and rewatch episode six of Arcane, which is what I did last night. And oh my goodness, that show is just so flawless. And I don't think we're going to get any more until 2024, unfortunately. Ah! Well, we got Black Mirror coming up next month. That's true. But one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. I'm good, thank you.